Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. I'm going to open up a prayer and then we're going to dive right on into the word. Father God, we come now, we give you name, glory, honor, and praise. We thank you, O oh God, for this day that you have made, O oh God, and we truly do rejoice, and we are glad in it. We thank you, O oh God, for another opportunity to open up the word of God. We pray now, O oh God, that, uh, Holy Spirit, that you will have your way on this call. We invite you, we invite you to, to flow, flow freely on this call, open our eyes of understanding, uh, remove the scales from our eyes, open our ears, touch our hearts, that the word may go in our heart as a seed, and we may receive your word, O oh God, and we shall apply it to our lives. We thank you right now, O oh God, for leading us and guiding us on the path of righteousness. We come against every distraction, every hindrance, any seed the enemy may try to sow, any seed the enemy may try to do to try to snatch this word. We cancel now in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Lord, you be glorified. You be magnified on this call, on this Bible study. We give your name all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Uh, okay, so I'll do a, a quick recap. So last week we talked about Part 21 of Spiritual Warfare Training Series. And so last week we talked about exposing and conquering the enemy and how uh, that the Holy Spirit will expose them on activity in our life and that we can use that power, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to cast it out, uh, that when God exposes what demons are trying to do in your life, it will bring shame to the enemy as we cast them out in Jesus' name because, of course, we have that power and authority. We talked about how being ignorant to certain demonic activity or ig ignorant to the demonic world is not an excuse because God made it clear that we have an enemy. We know we have an enemy, so we need to know some of the enemy's tactics. Um, and also talk about how we, you should not underestimate yourself, because the enemy wants us to live below our potential. The enemy wants us to live in what we see, uh, but God is telling us we need to live in what God said, what he said. Um, again, that demons are being exposed in your life so that you can see, you can literally see what has been trying to attack you. Um, and so when you know it's trying to attack you, you will know how to counterattack. Uh, we talked about uh, the spirit of divination uh, and how that works. Um, you know, the spirit of Python and what and what what the spirit of Python tries to do. We talked about a few different principalities, which the spirit of Python being one. Um, uh, we talked about uh, the dangers of of yoga uh, and martial arts uh, because that that pretty much those positions are praying to a false god. Uh, it's it's the Hindu god uh, and, and demonic. Pretty much just praying to demonic spirits and every every motion every position is a prayer position to those particular uh demonic spirits uh we talked about uh even how you know some disney movies and some cartoons or things like that uh the enemy is crafty even try to get kids just like we said mermaids aren't some fictional characters but that mermaids are actually demons and their real name is merfolk m-e-r-f-o-l-k uh so we just talked about some of the tactics of the enemy in that way as well uh we talked about the sorcery world on uh, that demonic kingdom um uh, and we also talked about the spirit of Leviathan and what the spirit of Leviathan does, uh, you know, how it's attached to pride. And, and But again, it's, it's it's a principality. And, of course, it controls much it, it, much lower-ranking demons report to it to do its work. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, how witchcraft operates, uh, witches and wizards, and how they use black magic, white magic, etc. Uh, we also talked about, uh, you know, how even witches and warlocks, how they could, you know, we talked about shape-shifting shape, shape um, you know, and also we talked about how, uh, you know, soul travel and how they can do things like that. Um, 
of course, because there's power in a demonic world, but they're just not more powerful than us, that we have power over the enemy. Uh, of course, we all start by Baal and Jezebel spirits. Of course, that Jezebel is also uh, a ruling spirit, a principality that also has lower ranking names to report to that spirit. And Jezebel, uh, and Baal is, is higher than Jezebel, and Jezebel actually, uh, because Jezebel used to worship Baal. So, um, so we talked about, you know, we covered a lot last week. So if you missed last week, you definitely need to go back and listen to that, read your notes, etc., because um, we covered a lot last week, and you're not going to get all that in one sitting. Uh, so do be sure to go back and uh, get that. And because uh, again, uh, you have to understand what you're coming up against to, to, to be able to effectively uh, engage the enemy in warfare. All right. And so today we're going into our last part in this particular series, uh, Spiritual Warfare Training Part 22. Uh, and, and tonight's uh, topic is the need for deliverance, the need for deliverance. And after we get to this tonight, then I'll kind of recap much as I can from over the past 21 lessons uh, on this particular series. Uh, okay, so uh, the need, so tonight we talk about the need for deliverance, the need for deliverance. And uh, so understand that we know that wherever there's demonic activity in your life, a form of deliverance is needed because deliverance is simply being freed from demonic influence. So deliverance is simply being freed from demonic influence. So deliverance does not just deal with demonic position, but also deals with demonic, demonic oppression. You know, the enemy trying to oppress someone. So once, once uh, one, one deliverance uh, that you'll need to get in life is to be delivered from the opinions of people who gives opinions contrary to God's will for you. So again, one deliverance you'll need to get in life is to be delivered from opinions of people who give opinions contrary to God's will for your life. Okay, and deliverance is not just in casting out demons from people, but it also entails evicting demons from a place where God has assigned you. However, one thing that's for certain is that wherever there's a demon, deliverance will always be needed. Wherever there's a demon, wherever there's demonic activity, deliverance will always be needed. Be needed. Deliverance comes into play when demons are hindering what God has called you to or what he sent to you. This, again, is why spiritual warfare is important. Spiritual warfare is not an option. Spiritual warfare is not an option, but it's a mandate because if you can't war for what's yours, you're saying you don't care if you get it or not. If you can't war for what is yours, you're saying that you don't care if you get it or not. So again, spiritual warfare is not an option. It's not an option. It's a mandate because, again, we were born into warfare. So, so we can't afford not to engage the enemy in warfare because, again, we're in a fight, and the enemy's fighting us, so we have to know how to fight back effectively it's a, again it's a must it's a must okay and so again spiritual warfare is not an option it's a mandate okay so there's nothing spooky about deliverance because deliverance is necessary in order to effectively carry out the will of god in your life deliverance is necessary in order to effectively carry out the will of god in your life it's a must have we must we must have it we must be go through deliverance uh, and the great thing is that uh you have power and authority, not only to bring deliverance in your life, but in the lives of others. Okay, and that's why we bring, we're light of the world, so we bring light into dark places. So while it's wonderful that there are many great leaders in the body of Christ who have powerful healing deliverance ministries, it does not take an extra special anointing, because once we have Christ, we have the same power of the Holy Spirit and authority of Christ that we can operate in. Because again, Christ gave us power to cast out demons. And since Jesus gave us power to cast out demons, if deliverance is needed, you need to locate and activate the power that's already been given to you. 
So you have to locate and activate the power that has already been given to you. Okay? And so there's some people in your family, on your job, etc., that need your prayers and they need you to war in the spirit to set them free from bondage. So you warring in the spirit and spiritual warring in the spirit and spiritual warfare is important. We must also be aware of the tricks of the enemy. Demons want you to get used to something. Watch this now. Demons want you to get used to something that opposes God's will so you don't think that deliverance is needed. Demons want you to get used to something that opposes God's will so you don't think deliverance is needed, and that's why you need to be delivered in Jesus' name. And again, demons don't want to be seen or exposed. They don't want to be seen or exposed. They simply want their works to, to manifest. They want the seeds they sow to manifest. So again, you have the power and the duty to cast them out. You always have an assignment. We say week after week again that you have a God-given assignment. You have a God-given territory that he's assigned to you uh, to, to, to be, uh, 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 to have influence in, if you will. So again, again, so again, there's a need for deliverance, okay? Again, you always have an assignment. Everywhere you go, someone needs deliverance. You're the light of the world, and you shine in dark places. So there's no reason to ever really get bored. I assure you that someone is in need of deliverance, and the power is in you. And this is why understanding your power and your authority uh, and warfare is so important. It's not just good information. It's what you need to do your job for God. And anytime you don't deny your flesh, hear me clearly, anytime you don't deny your flesh, a level of deliverance is needed because you just became captive to something that opposes God. Anytime you don't deny your flesh, a level of deliverance is needed because you just became captive to something that opposes God. Sure, it's not the same thing of, you know, you go into a continual cycle that you need to be delivered from, etc. But the simplest form of deliverance, the simplest form of deliverance begins with deliverance from sin. So you either give yourself to sin or you give yourself to Christ. That's the simplest form of deliverance. Okay? And some deliverance is immediate and some deliverance occurs over a period of time. But make sure that you remain persistent in attacking it in prayer. Okay, some days it's going to take you required over and over to keep being persistent because it's an attack. The same way the enemy is attacking you, when you pray and you, and you war, you're attacking back. It's like you're using your weapons against the enemy to break down those walls, to break down those barriers. And so sometimes it takes a little more, but you have to be persistent, okay, because there are too many things that God's children have gotten comfortable with that are contrary to God's will. And we've talked about this before. No form of sickness is in God's will. No form of sickness is in God's will because Christ not only died for our sins, but he died healing and part of deliverance. Demons attempt to attack our body with sickness. And when you accept any type of sickness as a normal part of you, your daily, hear me clearly, when you accept any type of sickness as a normal part of you, you're daily renewing a contract for demons to attack your body. Therefore, you have to reject it. Reject that contract. Again, when you accept any type of sickness, as a normal part of you, you're daily renewing a contract for demons to attack your body. You're renewing the contract with demons. You're partnering with demons for them to continue to do what they're, what they're doing in your life. That's why you have to reject it in Jesus' name. And look, and some people don't even pray against it anymore because they're used to it. Oh, I got diabetes. They cl- I got claiming it. They're claiming the sickness. I got diabetes. I got high blood pressure. I got these constant migraines. I'm used to it now. Chronic back pain, depression. I'm used to it now. So you've gotten comfortable with a demonic attack. It's not in God's will for you to be in pain. It's not in God's will for, for you to be depressed. It's not in God's will for you to have any sickness. Christ died not just for you to be saved, but also for your healing. So again, 
when you're doing that, when you're accepting it as a normal part of you, you're co-signing. You're, you're literally renewing a contract with, the, with demons. That's what you're doing when you're accepting it as a part of you. So you have to reject it in the name of Jesus. And again, and like I said, keep attacking in prayer until the change comes. Until the change comes. Yeah, you may be partnering with, doc, partnering with doctors, et cetera, et cetera, along the way. But, uh, but the ultimate goal is for you to be healed, completely healed. Okay? And so that's why you got to continue to pray. And so, and, so, and so, again, some folks have accepted these particular, you know, diabetes, these type of things. And they've accepted it as normal as opposed to something like cancer, AIDS, you know, what's considered, you know, in our mind, something that's bigger. Oh, that's, that's a much bigger thing. That's, that's way bigger. Cancer is way bigger than just, you know, just migraines, constant migraines. But hear me clearly. God does not characterize one sickness as greater than another. He sees it all as an attack of the enemy against his will for you. God sees it all as an attack of the enemy against his will for you, against your life. So this is no different than how he doesn't see one sin as greater than another. Sin is sin to him, and sickness is sickness. They all oppose God. So sickness and pain opposes God. And all these things, a form of deliverance is needed. You simply need deliverance from what has attacked you. Like I said, deliverance is not a spooky word. Spiritual warfare is not a spooky word. You simply need deliverance from what has attacked you. And I said the simplest form of deliverance, the first form of deliverance is, you know, uh, uh, deliverance from sin. You know, and I said at the beginning that one of the one one form of deliverance that we all need to go to at some point in life is to be the uh, delivered from the opinions of people who say things contrary to God's will for your life. Okay, so again, so you don't have to pray, Lord, if it's your will, Father, oh Father, if it's your will, and and you know, in, in cases like this, because sin and sickness is never in God's will. Lord, if it's your will, take this sickness from me. It is in His will. Sin and sickness is never in God's will. It's, it, healing is already in his will, okay? And also, sickness is not necessarily a result of, result of sin. There's some doctrines, some erroneous uh, doctrine around this. Sickness is not simply an attack of the enemy, because uh, uh, I'm talking on top of, uh, in a sense of uh, sin. Some people say, oh, you're sick because sin, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's not, you know, there's some people who build an entire doctrine around that. Well, oh, you're sick. You must be some sin. No, not necessarily. Sickness is simply an attack of the enemy on your mind, your body, or your soul. Sin is not even the main cause. The main cause is that the enemy will do whatever they can to try to slow you down. If sin is the sole cause of sickness, then the whole world would have a sickness. If sin was the sole cause of sickness, the whole world would have sickness. But again, deliverance is necessary on this journey because there's always an enemy who wants to trap you, and there's always a savior who wants to save you. There's always an enemy who wants to trap you, that's Satan and his demons, and there's always a savior who wants to save you, that's Jesus Christ, and the angels that we can dispatch uh, uh, to, to minister to us, to, to war on our behalf, etc., as some of that we covered last week as well. Okay, let's go to Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Again, that's Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Galatians 1, verses 3 through 4, and it reads, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our fa- of, of God, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we see here that Apostle Paul opens the letter to the church of Galatia, uh, reminding them that, look, Christ died for your sins. Christ died for our sins. Christ died to deliver us from this evil age. So if you're in Christ, although you live in the world, 
we all must be delivered from the world in order to bring God's kingdom on earth. So we all have to go through, we all had to go through deliverance. We all had to go through some type of deliverance on more than one occasion. So if you're in Christ, although you live in the world, we all must be delivered from the world in order to bring God's kingdom on earth. So when you begin to accept the world's opinion of you and allow it to determine your status, you need to be delivered from the world. Again. Okay? And so demons work in the world to try to get you to forget your royal status. This order is in the world, but in Christ you have peace in you that you can bring to those in the world so that you can restore order. So again, we bring light to darkness. You have the power and authority of Jesus Christ in you. When you show up in a place, okay, you bring order. If there's disorder in the place, you bring order. You restore order because Christ is in you. You're the living manifestation of Christ in the earth, and you restore order. So we see that, that, so we see that uh, simply being in this world will require, uh, require deliverance. So that we don't get caught up in the world. So if you slip back into the ways of the world, deliverance is needed. And your deliverance from your past will help you deliver someone from the pain of, of their present. There's things you've gone through, things you've been delivered from, things you've been healed from, etc. But your deliverance from your past will help you deliver someone from the pain of their present. Okay? Uh, let's go to uh, uh, Romans 14. Romans 14 and 23. Romans 14 and 23. Just one verse. In Romans 14 and 23. Okay, Romans 14 and 23. And it reads, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So in this passage, the Apostle Paul was speaking of those who uh, were weak in faith and those who were strong in the faith. And he was addressing things like, you know, uh, some people who chose to eat meat, and there were some who chose not to eat meat. Uh, and, and there were some who chose to drink wine and those who chose not to drink wine. Uh, and, and those who believed uh, that one day was more sacred than another. And some who felt all days were the same. So they were like different debates over it. But Apostle Paul was saying that while none is wrong in itself, if one does it, they need to do it in faith without having doubt. So where there is doubt, there is no faith. Where there is no faith, it is sin. Again, where there is doubt, there is no faith. Where there is no faith, then it's sin. That's sin. So Apostle Paul was urging the people not to get caught up on debates about eating and drinking. What to eat or what not to eat or what to drink, what not to drink. He said how the kingdom of God, he was pretty much saying the kingdom of God is much more important and it's much more to the kingdom of God than just eating and drinking. But it's living a righteous life, a life of peace, a life of joy in the Holy Spirit, not being legalistic, not being religious. So don't, don't get caught up in man's rules and doctrines, but get caught up in God's word. So we see here from this passage that whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith, it's whatever is not done in faith. So are you believing Christ, trusting, trusting God, we're having faith in God, etc., is sin. It's sin. Okay? And so, and so this can sum up everything there, uh, there is on deliverance. If you lack faith, if you lack faith, deliverance is needed because faith is the prerequisite 
to have any chance at pleasing God. We know that without faith is impossible to please God. We understand that. But again, if you lack faith, deliverance is needed because faith is the prerequisite to have any chance at pleasing God. So faith is a must-have. Faith is a must-have. We must have faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a must-have. Okay? So if we don't have faith in God in all things, no matter how big or small you may see, believe that it is, we've sinned, and we need uh, uh, the key of faith through Christ to free us. And this is one reason why the enemy tries to sow seeds of doubt in our minds. If you doubt what God has said, that's sin, because doubt is an enemy of faith. If you doubt what God said, if you doubt God's word, you doubt certain things in God, that is sin, because doubt is an enemy of faith. Again, doubt is an enemy of of faith understand that okay so again where there is sin deliverance will always be in order doubt is a seed sold by the enemy that tries to invite other demons to the party so doubt is satan's opinion about a matter again doubt is when you have doubt in your mind doubt is satan's opinion about a matter if you doubt god in any way you need quick deliverance from Satan's opinion so it does not grow. You need that immediate deliverance in that place because we all have been given a measure of faith. We know Scripture says we've all been given a measure of faith. And that measure alone is enough. That one measure of faith, as you say, that one measure of faith is enough to move any obstacle, any demon, that's any obstacle, any demon placed in front of you, you have enough faith to remove it. But you have to use that faith. That's why I say you can speak to this mountain. I give you faith as, as a mustard seed. You can speak to this mountain. Tell it to be removed and cast into the sea, and it shall obey. Okay? So we all been given that measure of faith. The, 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 faith, the measure of faith we all been given once we accept Christ is enough to move any obstacle, any demon that's placed in front of you. So that's basic faith. Basic faith. Faith one-on-one. Baby-level faith is strong enough to speak to any obstacle the enemy placed in front of you and command it to move in Jesus' name and it, and it shall be removed. That's basic faith. That's, that's, that's getting you in the door faith. So, and then it can be increased much far beyond that. Okay? So, again, we all been given that measure of faith. That's powerful. That's powerful. So, again, don't sleep on yourself. Don't underestimate yourself. Because look at just, just the seed of faith you've been given, how powerful it is. All right? So, again, so, but you have to use that faith. You have to tap into faith. Faith is your choice to trust God in all things, and it is the best choice. Again, faith is your choice to trust God in all things, and we know that it is the best choice. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 to 18. Again, Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And it reads, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You became slaves of righteousness. Okay? And we see here. Uh, that Apostle Paul, he was, uh, he made a clear point that whomever we present ourselves to obey, that's who we're slaves to. So if you submit to Satan's plan, you become a slave to him, and you must be delivered. If you submit to God's plan, you become a slave to God's will. So we must be reminded 
that our lives no longer belong to us when we accept Christ. We know we were bought with a price. His Christ life becomes our life. That scripture says in Colossians 3 about, about how our life is hidden in Christ. Christ, when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him also. So again, we are in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. We've covered this already. That, that's, that's your life. That's my life. Your real identity is in Christ. We're seated in Christ. Father, principalities, powers, etc. We're seated in Christ. So again, so our life no longer belongs to ourselves. Christ lives in us and through us on earth. Satan employs his demons to try to cause us to disobey God. So to continually cave into demonic influence to sin only leads to more and more problems. But walking in obedience to God brings you freedom. So it doesn't mean problems won't come, but it's a guarantee that they won't stay. They won't be able to live with you. It will not be able to live with you. And there's a difference in demons trying to get to you from demons who live with you. Again, there's a difference in demons trying to get to you from demons who actually live with you. Moving in requires more room. So that's why you've got to check yourself in prayer. Moving in requires much more room. They, they would have to need, they need much more access, much more entry points to actually move in. So Apostle Paul talks about our transformation in Christ. We all were once slaves to sin, yet God's word is what allows us to see the alternative. We have already been set free from sin. We've already been delivered from sin because of Christ's sacrifice. But we must, hear me clearly, but we must daily die to self and come alive in Christ to stay free, to stay delivered, okay, from sin. Now let's go to Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 10 again. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. And it reads, Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, and a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the rivers, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings, and according to the fruit of his doings. So at this time, Jeremiah had to bring an unpopular message. We know he had to bring this unpopular message to a rebellious people. And to make matters worse, false prophets and priests were misleading the people to have them believe that everything was okay. So God sent all the prophets continuously in the house to the house of Israel and Judah, but they wouldn't listen. And even Jeremiah's own family tried to get him to stop prophesying, but Jeremiah knew who called him. So sometimes those that God sends you to, sends you out to deliver, may reject you. It's not them. But it's a demonic influence that's angry that you showed up. It's that demonic influence that's angry that you showed up. And God made it clear that cursed be the man who puts their trust in man and makes flesh their arm. And that simply means someone who makes their flesh their strength. Your flesh cannot be your strength because your flesh is what the enemy preys on. And scripture says that our flesh is weak. So a person who claims to be strong but trusts in themselves alone is really a weak person and they need deliverance 
So there was a drought because the people believed in other gods and mere humans. And so when disobedience is at work, we're like a bush in the desert that cannot sense good coming along. We can't, we'll be like a, a bush in the desert that can't even sense good coming along because it's scorched in the desert from the heat. So disobedience to God scrambles your senses and makes you blind to what God is actually doing, and it causes you to accept a lie. That's why obedience to God is important. And in verses 7 through 9, we see the rewards of obedience to God. You're blessed simply by trusting in God. And faith is the ability to trust God in all things. You'll be like a tree planted by the water. You won't fear when the, when the heat hits. So keep the faith in God, and you won't fear when challenges come. You won't fear because faith gives no room to fear. If fear tries to pop up, your faith will attack it. Your faith will attack it. So if someone lives in fear, deliverance is needed because fear is a demonic spirit sent to keep you living below who you are to be in God. Okay? It's a demonic spirit. It's a spirit. So verse 9 lets us know that our heart is deceitful above all things. So hear me clearly. You can't live off your feelings because they blow with the wind. They can be honest one day and lie to you the next. Yes, your feelings do matter, but you want to be led by them. God never intended for you to be led by your feelings, but he said we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. So God searches the heart, and only he truly knows the heart. And this is why we're never to be led by our heart, but by our spirit. And it's a shame if the very thing we try to cast out of someone else is in us, and we don't know it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. We need that intel from the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to search the deep things of God and reveal it to us. And the Holy Spirit not only reveals the secret things of God, but he will also reveal the secret plans the enemy is plotting against you. Okay, Luke 11, 24 to 26. This is our last scripture, and then we're going to go back into the recapping everything from the whole series. Uh, Luke 11, 24 to 26, which right there with that scripture I just mentioned. Uh, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So we see from this passage one way demons operate. They're persistent. They don't like taking no for an answer. So we must be consistent, and a demonic stronghold must first be torn out of our life. It begins in answer prayer. The demonic forces that are stealing from you and trying to keep you in bondage must be stripped of their legal rights that they feel that they have to you, and then you cast the demon out. So we must also remember that the foundation being destroyed is key so that they don't have room to come back. So when you speak against these demonic spirits, things happen in the spirit. And a demon that was evicted from your life will try to come back later. They will try to come back. So you need to replace the space that they once took and replace it with God's word. So you must open up your mouth and command evil spirits to leave. This, again, is why prayer must become a lifestyle because it, it will help you war in the spirit. You must say, you must open your mouth and say, I'm destroying every demonic foundation set up in my life in the name of Jesus. You have the power and authority from God to overcome the enemy. The more you pray and submit to God, the Holy Spirit will have control and will lead you and guide you on what to do. Okay, and so and we're away to go, etc. So once delivered, once delivered, a demonic spirit can only return and stay if there is an open door. So keep the door shut through prayer and obedience. And in this passage, the spirit was cast out 
the spirit that was cast out realized that it couldn't get back in. However, the foundation was still there. The demonic foundation was still there. And so the demon still saw an area of opportunity. So it went to go and get higher ranking or more evil or more powerful spirits in itself to come so they could enter the man. So that means the demonic foundation was not destroyed. So you should pray on a daily basis that every demonic foundation that has been set up in or around your life be destroyed in Jesus' name. It should be a daily process because demons are persistent. Their camp can be destroyed, and they can come back the next day and try to build again. Because some of them, look, they're like, they'll be unemployed. Because, again, you have familiar spirits. Just like we have angels, guardian angels that are assigned to us. Again, everything God creates, Satan tries to duplicate. So then what, what does Satan do? He says, okay, I need to send, uh, so they got a guardian angel, then I need to send a familiar spirit that's assigned to them so that those familiar spirits can study them, study their moves, study their operation, study their strengths, study their weaknesses, so that familiar spirit can then report the high-ranking demons on how to attack. So that's why that, those kind of watcher demons are just watching. But you have your angel that is, so it's not to be afraid of, but that familiar spirit is assigned to you. They're like, it's all, or they might be assigned to your family, like, it's, I don't have nowhere else to go. I got to watch this family. I got, you know, so they're going to keep coming back to try to build the foundation. So you got to keep every day destroying the foundation that is trying to be built. It's a daily process. We have to be persistent at it. Okay? That's why prayer must be a lifestyle. And so demons will look for a way to influence you like the past, but this time they will see that your offense and your defense is better than it's ever been. So that's why we continue to grow, study God's word, uh, our faith being increased, so that when those spirits do try to come back, okay, because I've, I've, I've been delivered from things. I've had certain things that, that was with me since a child, that came, but, that, but, that, but they, they always try to come back. I'm like, really? What are you trying? So it's a fight. I, 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 like, so they, they, but that don't mean that they're residing in your life. That's them trying to come back. I've fought many of spirits that have tried to come back. Okay? And so they all try to come back. But they, they know they don't have no room. So they, they come and they leave. But they, so they always come back looking for an It's like they're coming out the door looking. You let me in? Is there an opening? They're looking. They're looking. Nope. No opening here. I'm kicking you back out. You know? And so and that's why it's a daily process. We, that's why the prayer is so, so, so very important. All right? Um, now I'm going to do a quick recap as much time we have to try to get through our recap of everything we covered in this 22-part series here. Uh, so, so part one, uh, we talked this entire spiritual warfare training. Uh, part one, we talked about how there are only two sides in spiritual warfare, God's side and Satan's side, good versus evil. Uh, and then the second part was there's a difference between prayer and spiritual warfare, prayer is your communication with God. You're literally communing with God and maintaining and building your relationship with him. Prayer and faith are the currency used to make spiritual transactions from heaven to earth. Prayer is how you bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is also your war cry. Prayer and spiritual warfare, again, have to go hand in hand. Spiritual warfare is a spiritual war between God's army and Satan's army. It's a spiritual war between God's army and Satan's army. So if you go into spiritual warfare without having already formed the habit of praying unto God, it's like going into a war without strategy, guidance, or your full protection, having the full arm of God upon you. So you still need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in the midst of warfare. And you're able to engage the enemy, and it, it, Satan and his demons, in spiritual warfare because you're coming in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can engage. So you're covered in the blood of Jesus. So you have warring angels also fighting on your behalf. So it's a team effort. This is when you begin to literally war. When you begin to war, 
you're warring with your words and the word of God. You command what's been attacking you or someone else to leave in the name of Jesus. You plead the blood of Jesus. You, you, you quote scripture. You rebuke demons. You cast them out. You command them to leave. You literally command it. You tell warfare is engaging the enemy with, with your words. With, you, you're, you're literally telling them what to do. And you can easily go from warfare back into prayer. Warfare back into prayer. Okay? Uh, and, and so, again, uh, the three points from that series that there are only two sides of spiritual warfare, God's side, Satan's side. The second point was there's a difference between prayer and spiritual warfare. And the third point was there must be a strategy in spiritual warfare. There must be a strategy in spiritual warfare. And, uh, and we talked about weapons, uh, seven key weapons in spiritual warfare are the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus, the word of God. Number three was prayer and fasting. Number four was angels. Number five was praise and worship. Number six was the power of your words, death and life and the power of your tongue. And number seven was love, to showing the love of Christ to your enemies. Uh, in part two of the series was entitled Preparing for the Fight. We talked about before you engage the enemy in warfare, you must go in knowing that you have already won. So it's a mindset, mindset for battle. And that there are three key principles when preparing for spiritual warfare. Number one, you must be dressed for spiritual warfare. Number two, you must have the right mindset for spiritual warfare. And number three, you have to study the blueprint. Okay, and then we've talked about that there are five key components that make up God's government. A king, that's who God, that's God. Number two, a kingdom or territory, that's heaven and earth. Number three, inhabitants, that's angels, uh, spirits, you know, those who have already died in Christ that are in heaven, and humans, that's us who live on earth. Number four, the fourth uh, component that makes up God's government, uh, it needs a rule, rules and constitution. And the rules or the constitution is the word of God. It's also the type of food in God's government. This is what we feed our spirit with. So it's the food that we eat in God's government. And then five was the language and prayer. Uh, and, and the language is prayer. And prayer is also the currency of God's government. We talk about how faith and prayer are the currency of heaven. So prayer is also the currency of God's government and another way in which we feed our spirit. So it's also, and prayer is also our war, our war cry in battle. Okay? And again, we say, okay, everything God creates, what happens? Satan tries to duplicate. So we said that there are also five key components that make up Satan's government. A king, that's Satan and his government. A king of ter or territory, that's hell, and a territory that he stole from Christians. Uh, also his spiritual world under the sea, in the air, and on the land. So that's Satan's territory. Uh, and, 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 and number three, he's he has inhabitants. And his inhabitants are demons, souls that are in hell, uh, and human agents who work for him on earth. Number four are rules and rules and constitution, and and the rules and constitution are, are, are the doctrine of devils uh, to kill, steal, and destroy. It's also the type of food in Satan's government. They they love human blood or blood sacrifices unto them. Uh, and number five, the fifth part in Satan's government is language. And the language of Satan's government uh, and God's government, of course, is prayer. But in Satan's government is idol worship. Demonic worship is also the currency of Satan's government, as is how demonic transactions are made. Uh, for non-Christians who intentionally invite demons in to possess them as a part of their worship. And in this government, demons can also print their own money or give money to those who are employed in this system, as we talked about last week when we talked about the spirit of mammon and how that spirit pretty much is like the chief final financial officer in Satan's government. Uh, and so in part three, part three was entitled Understanding Your Responsibility. And we talked about that there are three key responsibilities that you will have in spiritual warfare. Number one is you're responsible for uprooting anything Satan's kingdom has established and established God's kingdom in its place. 
So again, you're responsible for uprooting anything Satan's kingdom has established, and you must establish God's kingdom in its place. The second key responsibility, you're responsible for the lives of others. And the third key responsibility is you must have faith. Part four was entitled Knowing Your Rights. We've talked about there's three key rights that you have in spiritual warfare. Number one is the right to use the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The second right you have is the right to God's will. And the third right you had in spiritual warfare was the right to rule in your God-given territory. Part five of this series, we talk about the battleground, the battleground that we're in in warfare. We talk about the battleground, where does the war take place? So we talk about the heavens. So we talk about the heavens on earth, uh, pretty much the three heavens. Uh, that when we talk about heavens, we should look at it as a sense of it being spheres, dimensions, levels, or a hierarchy. And the highest heaven, of course, is where God's throne is. So we talk about the first heaven, which is earth, where we live, where God told us to rule, subdue, have dominion, where we're supposed to uh, 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 be fruitful and multiply. This is what God is saying, okay, this, this is where you're supposed to rule at. This is the territory I've given you to do business, to occupy until Christ returns. So this is our sphere of influence. That's why we have the power and authority in, of Jesus Christ in us to rule on earth on God's behalf because God is not getting off of his throne. He's doing his work through us on earth. Then the second heaven, that's where all the spiritual activity takes place. That's, uh, uh, you know, beyond the earth's atmosphere. That, that's, that's in the spiritual realm where demonic activity takes place and, you know, and, and warfare in the heavens take place between angels and, 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 and demonic spirits, etc. That's where all the spiritual activity takes place. That's when we pray from the first heaven. Uh, the prayer, our, our prayers has to pass through the second heaven to even get to the third heaven. So there's some prayers that, you know, the enemy tries to block from even getting up there. But, but, but typically, we can get that prayer through to get to God. But then when, when God sends the answer, then the, prayer, the answer to that prayer has to now pass through the second heaven again. And that's where warfare takes place for God. And say, okay, I've answered your prayer. I've sent the, the answer to your prayer. I've sent the manifestation. I've released it. And then that's when a war takes place where principalities, et cetera, can try to block it, can try to stop it from getting That's why we talk about Daniel chapter 10. Daniel's prayer got held up for 21 days because this demonic principality was holding it up. So, again, that shows you that prayers, can, that answer to your prayers can be held up. Then having that to do with God, that's why warfare is important. We have to understand spiritual warfare because you have to keep praying. You have to keep warring so that the angel can break through, break through, break through and get the manifestation to you. So, again, the three heavens. And the third heaven, of course, is where God's throne is. That's where God's literal throne is. Okay? And then part six, we talked about prayer as a weapon. We said how you should not begin to think that you will be effective concerning any matter in the spirit without prayer. And there's a, a significant difference in praying and having a prayer life. God expects you to maintain a life of prayer, and it gives you life. Prayer is not an option, but it is your duty to pray as a soldier in God's army. And we talk about the eight watches in Scripture, eight watches in the Bible. There are four watches, four watches in the day and four watches in the night. And in Scripture, uh, watchmen would relieve each other. Uh, to cover a different watch of the night. They were on post uh, to watch out for any enemy. If, you know, they would stand on this post so they could see if the enemy was coming from far away. If they saw an enemy approaching the camp, they could then warn the people. So we, too, are watchmen through our prayers, and we need to be on our post in prayer. So we know that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we have to be on the lookout, on the watch, through prayer, not just for ourselves but for others. So we talk about the first watch, the second watch, the third watch, the fourth watch. Uh, in the night, and it's, it's in the day, and in uh, uh, in the night. So of course, the first watch six to nine, second watch nine to twelve, 
third watch 12 to 3, and the fourth watch 3 to 6. And it works on the day and it works in the night. So those are the four watches. Then part seven, we talk about the warfare team. The warfare team. And we talk about your warfare team consists of five key players. Number one is God. Number two, Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit. Number four, angels. And number five, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the war. That's what makes up the warfare team. And any of the five key players is enough. But one of one of the one of the five is enough by itself. And again, Satan is no match for any of the four. And the fifth key player, Satan and his demons are no match when we're in Christ. So Satan and his demons do have power. We know they have power, but they don't have power over any of the five key players on the warfare team. So again, that's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, angels, and brothers and sisters of Christ. So we're that fifth key player. On a warfare team. Okay, part eight, we talked about working with angels, working with angels. We talked about how God has assigned angels to protect you in warfare. And it's another reminder that you're never alone. Angels are on divine assignment from God to assist us. They're working for God on our behalf. When we pray, God often uses angels to deliver the answers to our prayers. God sends angels to escort you into the place he's prepared for you on earth and in heaven. You are a warrior for Christ and angels have been assigned to you to help Keep your spiritual weapons sharpened. Then part nine, we talked about engaging the enemy. We said how you were born into spiritual warfare. So it will make sense that you know how to fight the enemy in spiritual warfare. And when engaging demons in spiritual warfare, know that you will lose when you fight in your feelings. But you always win when you fight in faith. So again, you engage in warfare, you will lose when you fight in your feelings and your flesh. But you will always win when you fight in faith. So Satan was an enemy of God. Before he was an enemy of yours. He's been around a long time. So that's why we need to follow God's rules. Not your rules. And we have to come to grips with the fact that the enemy will oppose you. But the enemy is not your biggest problem in warfare. The enemy is not your biggest problem in warfare. Your biggest problem in warfare is backing down from, from the enemy. That's the biggest problem in warfare. Backing down. And when demons invade your territory. It is your divine right and responsibility to make them leave. In Jesus' name. Then we talked about part 10. Part 10 we covered. Uh, we covered demonic plots and patterns. And we said how demons create patterns in your life based on the pattern that worked before. And they only change the pattern when it doesn't consistently work. We talked about how demonic familiar spirits, demonic familiar spirits that study you, they create, they create a report on you and they take it back to their headquarters so they can form a plan of attack. Okay? And everything the enemy throws at you was methodically planned out. And you can go in the spirit realm in prayer and cast those plans down. And we talked about how there are three doctrines, three doctrines that are outlined in Scripture. Three doctrines. Number one is sound doctrine. And sound doctrine is healthy teaching. And the Greek word for sound means true and uncorrupt. Sound doctrine is true and uncorrupt teaching, which is the truth of God's word. The second doctrine that was mentioned in scripture is known as the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, and this was the teaching of the apostles in scripture, and they taught what Christ taught and what was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. They first uh, uh, just delivered the message orally, but it was later written down, which gave us the entire New Testament. So the apostles' doctrine is sound doctrine because it upholds the truth of God's word. It's true and uncorrupt. And the third doctrine was the doctrines of demons. It was called Doctrines of Demons that we find in Scripture. And this is teaching influenced by demons. It is taught by demons, and demons also influence others to teach it. It is deceptive because it will use some of the truth of God's word, but they put a twist on it. 
So Satan did this exact thing when he tried to tempt Jesus, remember? After Jesus came off the fast, 40 days, 40 nights, and, and Satan tried to tempt Jesus by twisting the word of God. But Jesus knew the word and was able to rebuke Satan in Matthew chapter 4. So, so doctrines of demons opposes sound doctrine because doctrines of demons is unhealthy teaching and it's false and corrupt. But it may have, as Scripture says, you know, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. A form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Okay, so, so uh, and then part 11, we talked about uh, the warfare of praise and worship. We talked about the warfare of praise and and worship and we said how praising and worshiping god is not just showing honor to god but it's also an act of spiritual warfare against the enemy and you shake up demonic foundations when you praise and worship god we also said how when you when you praise god praise give praise and worship unto god it creates waves in the spirit and literally angels are able to ride on the waves of those spirits and there's and there's those who had revelations of heaven who go into heaven multiple times who speak of those waves that are formed and created when you uh, uh worship god but we talked about how there's three specific types of warfare weapons pertaining to praise and worship. Number one was the warfare of hands. Number two was the warfare weapon of your feet. And number three was the warfare weapon of your voice. And we said how clapping your hands during warfare, and we, we went through a number of scriptures to back it, uh, how clapping your hands during warfare prayers uh, is symbolic of God bringing judgment upon the enemy. When you clap your hands in spiritual warfare, you're able to release God's righteous fury upon the enemy. When the enemy attacks you, and, and, and you clap your hands, you're literally counterattacking them in the spirit, and each clap strikes the enemy. When you literally stomp your feet in spiritual warfare, you're actually bruising the head of any enemy that tries to enter your life. And stomping your feet in prayer with anger against the enemy shakes and can crush demonic foundations around you. When you shout with a loud voice unto God against the enemy, you weaken and break down demonic walls that have been set up against your life. And again, we talk about how spiritual warfare is not quiet. You must open up your mouth because your sound causes damage to the enemy's camp. We also said that when we raise our voices together in praise unto God, demons pause because every voice is different and it confuses them at the point of attack. So again, we, we, so those are three uh, uh, spiritual uh, warfare weapons pertaining to praise and worship. And like I said, we went through a number of scriptures to support it to show uh, that that's factual. Uh, then part 12. Part 12, we talked about the blood power. We talked about the blood power. Uh, and so we said there's no stronger contract than that which is what's sealed with blood. And that the blood of Jesus is the signature that we need to access all things of God. So the blood of Jesus goes beyond just covering our sins. But the blood of Jesus is a weapon of warfare. Jesus' blood is alive. You must open your mouth and put the blood to work by applying the blood of Jesus in your life and in your territory. Jesus' blood has not stopped working. It's your responsibility on earth to open up your mouth and tell the blood where to flow. You have to tell the blood of Jesus where to flow. You have to employ the blood of Jesus. You can't physically see the blood of Jesus because it's spiritually discerned. You can't see it, but you can speak it because it's voice activated. And so you must put the blood of Jesus to work in your life daily, daily. Daily you should cover yourself in the blood of Jesus, cover your family in the blood of Jesus, etc. Because the enemy does not stop planning to find a way to attack us daily. So when you want to send confusion to, the, to, to demonic camps, you say it, uh, and you send the blood of Jesus. And the blood will go to shake things, and so angels. And when you send the blood of Jesus against the enemy, well, you, you send the blood of Jesus against the enemy because it can go places that you can't get to. And in spiritual warfare, when we, when we release the blood of Jesus, it speaks against darkness. It speaks and brings vengeance upon demons. 
when we, re- when we release the blood of Jesus against the enemy, the blood speaks more than we do because it has a job to do in warfare when we allow it. But you have to tell the blood what to do. Our blood even speaks. Our blood and our pain cries unto God when we don't say a word because there's life in the blood. That's why when Cain killed Abel and, 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 and God came and asked uh, uh, Cain, where's your brother Abel? And, and Cain was like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, well, I, I, I know what happened. He said, I heard Abel's blood speak from the ground. Okay, so again, that's the topic. We've talked about the power of the blood, blood power. And part 13, we talked about releasing the fire of God. And we said when you release God's fire from heaven against the enemy, it sends God's judgment against them for what they've already done, what they've done to you. When you send the fire of God, it doesn't just destroy the surface of a thing, but it destroys the root of what the enemy sent in your life. When you call down the fire of God to earth, it brings an end to a thing, period. When you ask God to send the fire of God from heaven, that fire will not stop until it destroys the target. And when the fire of God is sent from heaven, there's a guarantee that nothing or no one will be in the state they were in before the fire fell. When you send the fire of God in warfare, you literally send a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy. The fire of God does not simply spoil the plans of the enemy, but the fire of God literally destroys the plans of the enemy. The fire of God destroys the works of the enemy, but that same fire can purify our lives. And if something the enemy has done or is doing in your life that needs to be destroyed, you need to call down the fire of God from heaven. We went through many scriptures uh, to support that, to show you how you have that same power to call down that fire. So if someone has some bad habits that need to change, you can send the fire of God to burn away what does not belong in their life. Part 14, we talk about calling forth the four winds of heaven. We talk about the four winds of heaven, that the four winds of heaven does, that, that does work, uh, that it does work you that you can't do yourself. So that the four winds of heaven does work that you cannot do yourself. So it's your job as royalty in God's kingdom to tell the winds to blow. Then we say that how you must employ the four winds of heaven in your life. It will blow and accomplish what it was sent to do. When you employ the four winds of heaven, it will accomplish what you sent it to do. We talk about the east wind, the west wind, the north wind, and the south wind. And the east wind of heaven brings destruction. It destroys, when you call forth the east wind of heaven, it destroys the works of the enemy and, and sin. So you pray to God to send an east wind against the enemy. The east wind wrecks things. It causes things to dry up and brings famine. Uh, if you need something to dry up in your life, you can send for the east wind of heaven to blow to dry it up. The east wind of heaven brings judgment against the enemy. To send God's judgment against demons, you call forth the east wind to blow. The east wind also brings forth demonstration of the power of God. So you often see miracles, signs, and wonders as the east wind of heaven blows. If you're in need of a miracle in your life, or the life of another, you can call forth the east one of heaven to blow. So the east one has a couple of functions. Uh, destruction against the enemy, judgment against the enemy. Uh, also, again, it can uh, uh, bring miracles. Bring forth the east one to blow uh, if you need a miracle in your life, et cetera, et cetera. Then we talked about the west one. The west one of heaven brings deliverance. Uh, and again, we went to the different scriptures uh, that, that outlined that how the west one brings deliverance. If you are someone you know is in need of deliverance, you can call forth the west wind of heaven to blow, and deliverance will come. So you see, again, all the weapons that we have to our disposal. Then we talked about the north wind. The north wind of heaven brings with it the presence of God, God's manifested presence. So if you need, if you need the manifested presence of God in your life, send forth the north wind of heaven to blow because it truly changes things. The north wind also brings uh, forth rain in your life if you're in a dry place 
or if things seem to be dried up. So if something is dead or dried up in your life, send forth the north wind of heaven to bring forth the rain to refresh it. The north wind of heaven also brings a shaking, a conviction, a stirring, and a rebuking. It can push us when we want to quit. It puts things in order. So if your life seems to be in disorder, send forth the north wind of heaven to blow to restore order. Because, again, your job, community, your family, etc., may need a shaking or a stirring to get things moving in the right direction or to, sh- to wake things up or to wake people up. So if things are at a standstill and nothing seems to be moving in your life, call forth the north wind of heaven to blow to stir things up. And then we talked about the last one was the south wind. The south wind of heaven brings prosperity and provision. It brings provision and prosperity. That's what the south wind blows. So if you're in need of provision in your life, call forth the south wind to blow in your life. And the south wind also brings joy, peace, and comfort. So if you're in need of joy, you can call forth the south wind of heaven to blow in your life to bring in joy and peace. In part 15, we talked about fending your bloodline. When the enemy knows that they don't have legal access to you directly, they will try to gain legal entry through sin in your family bloodline. So understand, you are a defender of your bloodline, and if any demon is causing hell in your family, you're qualified to send it back to hell. Your family is what you were born into, but there are some things that has haunted your bloodline that you were born to change. So therefore, you are the interruption in your bloodline. Your bloodline was here before you were born. You may have been born into a curse on your bloodline, but you can reverse the curse. And also, if you notice a demonic pattern that has been impacting numerous members in your family, it's your responsibility to war and break it. And we say how the enemy wants you to fight with your family because they know that it also keeps you away from generational blessings. Because God is a generational God, he blesses us individually, but he also blesses us generationally. And so there are some blessings that are tied directly to your bloodline. And we talk about how the enemy wants to kill your entire bloodline to stop the family name from moving forward, but you can stop the enemy. And we said how you should not be discouraged by what's going on in your family, but be encouraged that you're doing something about it every time you pray. Every time you pray, you're doing something about it. Every time you pray. And so you can activate unclaimed blessings that were forfeited by your ancestors because of their disobedience by you simply walking in obedience. Part 16, we talked about your divine right to healing. We say it is in the will of God. We talked touched on some of that tonight, that it is in the will of God that you are healed in every area in your body and in your life. Healing can be physical, emotional, psychological, etc. Jesus told us to go and lay hands on the sick, and he said they shall recover. So they, I said there's not enough people that are recovering because not enough of us are going out and laying hands. Okay? Uh, we said how mental illness and any other disease are not from God, but it's from Satan. And as God's children, we can bring healing. Any type of sickness. Any type of sickness is an attack from the enemy and an attempt to slow you down, but God places healing power in you. And again, you must see sickness and disease of any kind as your enemy. It is an enemy. It is your enemy. And it's your job to destroy the enemy in Jesus' name. We said how the spirit of infirmity is an enemy whose job is to inflict people with sickness and disease, but it's our job with the power and authority in us to overthrow it. We said how Jesus Christ was wounded. He was crushed, he was beaten, and tormented, not just so we could be saved, but so we could also be healed. So when it comes to healing, we must look through the lens of it's a completed work. So you're not going to get healed. You are not going to get healed because you're already healed because Jesus already paid for it. Part 17 was, 
we was entitled the warfare over the mind. And we said that one of the enemy's oldest trick is to plant a seed of a thought in our mind that's contrary to God's will. So therefore, we have to reject that thought. We have to be careful what we say to people because our words are powerful. One word can create more bad thoughts or one word can pull them out of darkness. So Satan tries to get in your mind to try to get you to think like him. But God wants your mind so you can think like God. And God's thoughts help us rule on earth. And you may not be able to change someone's mind, but you have power and authority to cast out demonic spirits that's messing with their mind. And if you want to easily cast out a thought to any planet in your mind, replace it with the truth of God's word. We say that say how every decision, I mentioned it tonight, every decision you make that's good or bad began with a thought. And it's impossible to even begin to know the will of God without having a re renewed mind in Christ. And we said how that's why your mind has to be renewed. When your mind is not renewed in God, you will call a good thing bad and a bad thing good. And that brings confusion, and God never brings confusion. Uh, the only confusion he would send is we send a confusion to the enemy's camp when we send the blood of Jesus. Part 18, we talk about the faith to fight for what is yours, the faith to fight for what is yours. And we said how the enemy is a known thief, and you must have a godly boldness in you to fight and take back what is already yours. And the same intensity that you use to fight to get the promise is the same level of intensity you need to use to defend the promise. And we say that the enemy knows that they can legally steal from you when you step out of faith and into fear. And we say our fear is a thief that you must evict. We also said our faith is a requirement if you want to access what God said. And you can have and, and uh, what God said that you can have. And you can't reclaim what's yours without faith. You cannot reclaim what's yours without faith. And we said how the enemy does not care about stealing things from you. They're more focused on robbing you of faith because lack of faith, we know, equals a lack of God. A lack of faith equals a lack of God. We'll say that in whatever area you find a lack of complete faith in is the area that the enemy will try to make their bed in. So that's why we can't afford to not have faith. Okay, and then uh, part 19, attacking covenant breaking and sex demons. So, so we talked about attacking covenant breaking and sex demons, and we talked about you know how there's uh, demons who are covenant breaking demons. Their their whole goal is to try to destroy a covenant. They don't want you to be married. They don't want you to uh, uh, to, to walk in obedience to God. Uh, so so they're trying to destroy. Uh, and a covenant and covenant breaking demons want you to want uh, what's not good for you because it allows them to stay around. But again, you have to evict them. You have to evict them. Uh, again, that's why, again, we, we talk about exposing the enemy, the enemy being exposed uh, in your life. Uh, we talk about how God has released some things unto you that the enemy is trying to hold hostage. And so spiritual warfare is the only way for you to be able to snatch it back, okay? And, and even when it goes to faith, that faith is not hard. Faith is simply a choice to trust God above everything and through everything. We talked about, too, about how you access the supernatural, being able to access the supernatural uh, because, again, that, that's a spiritual thing. And so, so we access the supernatural. We talk about seven ways. We said through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, because Jesus is the only way to God. The Holy Spirit is the only way to Jesus. The Word of God gives life to our spirit. Number four was prayer. That's how we, that's how we communicate with, with, with heaven. It's the language of heaven. It's the currency of heaven. Then number five was faith. We cannot please God without it. Number six was praise and worship. Praise and worship sets the atmosphere for God, God's glory to enter. And it's a weapon, as we talk about the weapons of, 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 of praise and worship. Uh, number seven was obedience. It's what God requires. It separates us from the enemy. Disobedience is an enemy of God. 
then we talk about the seven mountains, the seven mountains or pillars of culture that influences every nation. And we said the seven mountains are the mountain of religion. Number two is media. Number three is government. Number four is family. Number five is education. Number six is business. And number seven is arts and entertainment. Each and all of us have influence in at least one of those areas. Uh, but again, the enemy also tries to influence those mountains as well. And so we see how uh, these covenant-breaking demons, how they try to attack. They feel like they belong to you. They feel like that you're, you're in covenant with them. And so, again, when these spirits attack, does mean, it does not mean that you're a bad person because they attack. That's just what it is. It's an attack, and you can do something about it. Just because a demon attack does not mean that you did something. Oftentimes, it's because of what they're afraid that you will do to them. And we see how their they're God, they're godly soul ties and their ungodly soul ties. And contrary to popular belief, soul ties do not in, that do not even require sex. However, sex makes it, makes it that much more uh, complex. We say covenant-breaking demons' favorite entry point is through illegal sex, which is sex while not married. They also love to enter through your family bloodline. And some of these spirits, as I said, have been living in your bloodline for centuries that we can evict. We talk about the forward type of love. Uh, of course, we said uh, eros, uh, phileo, storge, and agape. When we talked about the husband and wife spirit, the incubus spirit, known as the husband spirit, which is an evil spirit that lies on a person in their sleep. Uh, it has sexual intercourse, intercourse with a woman while they're sleeping. Uh, it's, a, it's a demonic sexual attack on females. It may be caused by sexual sins, witchcraft spells, curses of lust, inherited curses. It can also attack children. It's an unclean spirit that defiles you in the night. And the succubus spirit is, is known as the wife spirit. That's the, this, the demonic spirit assumes the male uh, assumes the role of a female form and has sexual intercourse with the men in their sleep. And we see how these spirits can show up in your dreams. They may often come as someone as you know or someone you fantasize about. And the demon mare, M-A-R-E, works with the incubus and succubus spirits. Uh, this demon can cause dreams of sexual content coupled with uh, these evil spirits, and their dreams are known as a nightmare. Then we say, what, how, does the, what, how do these spirits get to, uh, get to attack? Because an open door, you read through masturbation, sexual abuse, reading or watching pornography, internet sex, sex outside of marriage, not taking control of your sexual thoughts, your house being out of order, something in your bloodline that had nothing to do with you, they gain access to your bloodline. Um, and we said how these spiritual uh, husband and wife, they feel they're in covenant with you. They feel they can steal your husband or your wife. They feel they can steal your money. They feel they can steal anything from you. They're very jealous because they feel you belong to them. These spirits don't want you to get married. If you do, they try to try to set you up to where you marry someone with, uh, so that they can so you can marry the wrong person that they can keep the cycle going. They try to bankrupt you emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes they'll let someone get money if they're in love with it, just so they can invite the demon, as we talk about man, the chief financial officer of Satan uh, of Satan's kingdom. Uh, and then we see how the spiritual husband can also cause fertility issues. Uh, someone who's been told that they're not able to have kids, etc. That's an attack on the body. That's, that's that's because of that spiritual husband and the spirit wife also deals with the male genitalia. Part 20 was the hostile takeover. The hostile takeover. Uh, we said how, how God did not send you on earth to share space with the enemy. He sent you to bring his kingdom and to conquer the enemy on earth. And there's something you've been waiting on for a long time, and it's not because God didn't send it. It's because you were robbed by the enemy, and you have to take it back, a hostile takeover. And that you are a conqueror, and conquerors are not man-made, but they're God-made. You are a warrior for Christ. People are waiting for you to shift into position that God is calling you to because answers are in you that they've been waiting on for a while. And you don't, ad you don't adapt to the system the enemy has set up around you, but you overthrow it, and you bring God's king on earth. That the enemy wants you to react to the problem, but God wants you to respond to his instructions. We say how there are some uh, people who don't have the strength to fight, but God will trust you with the battle strategy 
to go in and set them free. And don't take people with you into battle who will get in the way. You need warriors whose mindset is that victory is the only option. Victory has to be the only option. And power is found in consistent prayer. And frustration is found in inconsistent prayer. That's why we have to put in the work of prayer. And, of course, last week we already said we talked about part 21, exposing and conquering uh, the enemy, uh, how the Holy Spirit will expose demonic activity in your life. You can use the power of the Holy Spirit to cast it out. When God exposes what demons are trying to do in your life, it will bring shame to them as you cast them out in Jesus' name. Ignorance to the demonic world is not an excuse because God made it clear that we have an enemy. So we have to study what's been studying us. Uh, we talk about how demons are being exposed in your life so you can see what's been attacking you. So, of course, you can counterattack. Uh, we talked about, again, the spirit of mammon, uh, that's who's in charge of Satan's church treasury. Uh, that's the spirit behind the money of the world system. It causes the love of money, which the scripture says is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the love of it. Uh, this spirit is worshipped by those who want to rule the world for selfish ambitions. The New World Order and other satanic organizations are funded by this spirit. Again, we talk about you know, what a fortune teller is, you know, uh, who claim they could tell the future, reveal secrets, interpret dreams, etc. We talk about you know, spirits, different principalities. We talk about the spirit of Python, Leviathan, Baal and Jezebel spirits. Uh, we talk about you know, the dangers of yoga and martial arts because, again, it's attached, it's attached to the demonic world because every position is a prayer position to a false god, to a demon. And that's how the enemy will try to attack, and that way they'll get entry that way as well. Again, uh, watching certain things that your kids watch because, you know, Certain things like they think mermaids. That's funny. I saw something. It wasn't funny, but I saw something on Facebook the other day. I didn't know the person, uh, but they, they, they got their daughter this mermaid outfit. And they're like, oh, this is the best gift she, she ever wanted. She didn't want nothing else but this mermaid outfit. And, you know, she did like some hand gesture. I don't even know what that was. But, but again, mermaids, that's what we got to cover. We got we to gotta cover them in prayer because, again, mermaids are not a made-up character. They're not a fictional character. They're actually a demonic spirit. It's called merfolk, the, the real name. Uh, that's their part of the, the, uh, Satan's underworld, underwater kingdom. Again, Satan has uh, uh, a kingdom on, uh, you know, hell, but he has, you know, uh, agents on by sea, by land, and by air. Uh, so again, so we again, that's why we're exposing these things so that we can uh, bring God's kingdom on earth. Okay, so that's our 22-part series. Uh, and of course, tonight, you know, you know what we covered tonight about the need for deliverance. So as we kind of went, kind of summed it all up, the need for deliverance, the basic form of deliverance. So again, that's from 22-part series. That's the last part for this particular series. So uh, next week we'll have something else. Uh, whatever the Holy Spirit says, I don't know yet. Of course, if we do it at the end of of every Bible study, three calls. Uh, number one, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, uh, we we uh, again, Christ came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly that you may have it more abundantly okay so again if you're not saved this is your opportunity to give your life to christ because the enemy comes to kill steal, and destroy but christ came you may have life and have it more abundantly you can give your life to the lord uh you, you can you can send us an email to info at the core uh we can walk you through that salvation etc uh get you on that track etc and we can go from there so if you're not saved we definitely want to make that first call uh the second call of course uh if uh if you know I'm your spiritual covering, you know I'm your pastor, the Holy Spirit has been revealing to you. You've been on Bible study after Bible study, uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is leading you that I am your pastor. I am your spiritual covering, uh, the pastor of Uproom Kingdom Church, that I am your pastor no matter where you are in the world. Uh, the Holy Spirit has been leading you in that direction. Uh, you can send an email to membership at thecoregreen.org. We can get you all the membership information uh, and, and, and take you through that membership process if you know that I am your spiritual covering, your pastor, etc. 
that is your opportunity to send it to membership, membership at thecoregreen.org, and we'll make sure you get all that information uh, no matter where you are to uh, get you through the membership process. Uh, and the last point, if you have any prayer requests, uh, you can send your prayer request to info at thecoregreen.org, info at thecoregreen.org. And, of course, you can visit the website, thecoregreen.org, uh, if you lay to sow any seeds into the ministry, et cetera, as we continue to advance the kingdom. We have a lot of projects uh, that we're looking, looking to uh, in this calendar, next calendar year. Uh, of course, those things require funds uh, uh, to continue to advance the kingdom in that manner. So uh, you can you can go online and you can see the opportunity to sow in the ministry as well. So I will close us on out in prayer. Father God, we come now to the end of yet another Bible study. We thank you, O God, for the word uh, that went forth on tonight, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for uh, just just what you've been doing in our lives, what you've been doing in the midst of our lives. We thank you for this word tonight, oh God, for letting us know the need for deliverance. Help us understand the basic uh, uh, definition of deliverance. So we thank you, oh God, uh, for each and every one listening under the sound of my voice, oh God. Uh, we just thank you, oh God, that deliverance is in, in their life, oh God. That anything they may need to be delivered from, we declare deliverance now. We send the west wind of heaven to blow in their life uh, to bring forth deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. We just thank you, oh God. We're excited about what you're doing in their lives. We thank you for the dreams, the visions, the goals you place on the inside of them, oh God. We thank you for what you're doing in this season in our lives, oh God. We thank you for the change you were, you've already brought about, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for the things you've already released, oh God. We declare that any demon, any devil in hell, any demonic spirit that is holding up anything that you have released unto us, we come up against it now in the name of Jesus. We send the blood of Jesus now to send confusion to the enemy's camp. We call down the fire of God now to destroy every demonic foundation that's been established in or around our lives, and we command now everything that's been stolen to be released now to be returned to us now in the mighty name of Jesus. So we thank you now, O God. We thank you, O God, that your spirit of peace shall rest upon the homes of each and every one listening under the sound of my voice, O God. We thank you, O God, that we are rejuvenated, renewed, O God, refreshed, O God, to move forward in the things of you, O God. So we bless you and we glorify you and we thank you that our minds are renewed, O God, that we have the mind of Christ, O God. And I cover each and every one, O God, under the sound of us with the blood of Jesus, O God, that they will be protected, O God. Dispatch your ministry angels to minister unto them, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, O God. So we thank you for strength, O God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for revelation. That revelation shall begin to flow. That we sh- that our zeal for you, O God, shall increase, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. We bless your name now. We glorify your name now. These and all are the best we ask in your son Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Remember that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes a breath. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Apostle Green signing out. Good night. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.